Good evening, and I want to welcome you to another edition of the Trumpet Series Bible Study Broadcast. This is your host, Brother Nick Bailey, coming to you live from the United Baptist Church Auditorium here on this Thursday, February the 3rd, 2022. <clears throat> and um, again, appreciate another opportunity to, um, to have this broadcast, and praise God, it's late, but it's not as late as it was last night. My goodness. I know some of you all think that I've lost my mind. As last night, um, we uh, conducted um, the broadcast from this very location right around 2 o'clock to th 3 o'clock a.m. And the reason for that is because I've been taking steroid medicine <clears throat> to help me recover from my recent bout with COVID. And as a result, I've been having a hard time going to sleep at night. So after last night's prayer meeting service here at the church, I went and grabbed myself a bite to eat along with my family. And while they went home and went to bed, I came out here to the church, spent a couple hours studying and preparing for and then conducting last night's service. Uh, so, uh, or episode, excuse me. And uh, all of this was going on uh, in the middle of the night while most people were at home asleep in their beds. So, um, amen, we're not that late, we're not quite that late here this evening. Uh, so again, uh, praise God uh, for the open door of opportunity. You know, I'm finding that um, uh, I kind of enjoy doing uh, my Bible study and prep work for the broadcast later on. And the reason is because it allows me to do so when everything's peace and quiet versus during the day when my phone rings off the hook and it just seems like there's almost always something to hinder and to distract me from uh, studying the Word of God. You know, that's something that you need to be aware of in your life uh, as a Christian is that Satan, one of the, if there's anything that he's going to try and hinder in your life as a, as a Christian, He's going to try to hinder your uh, prayer life and He's going to try to uh, distract you and to keep you from studying the Word of God because He knows and realizes that your uh, intimate and personal fellowship with the Lord is uh, the secret and the key to your spiritual growth, maturity, success, and victory as a child of God. So uh, I don't know, We, as we move forward we may... Um, uh, move towards a later nighttime slot as far as the live broadcast of the Trumpet Series is concerned. We're just going to pray about what God would have us to do. And if so, that's okay because you can always catch the broadcast later on Facebook or after it's been uploaded uh, onto the YouTube page. Or you can even listen by way of podcast either through the Google, Anchor, or Spotify podcast apps. Just download that app on your cell phone. And uh, you can search for the uh, Trumpet Series um, 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 broadcast and it'll bring up our logo and it'll bring you to the page where you can listen to any and every one of the broadcasts that um, we've been so fortunate to upload onto our page. And thank God for technology as it gives us another open door to share the Word of God. But we're going to do what we have to do to make sure we're getting these episodes produced and published on a daily basis. So you uh, pray that the Lord will continue to give us uh, uh, that opportunity. 
I do want to again remind everybody about the ARC Thrift Store and the ARC uh, Ministries. Again, the ARC Thrift Store is located at uh, 313 East Bernard Avenue here in Greenville as we uh, are continuing to try to minister to our community and uh, appreciate uh, all the items that have come in recently and where sales have been good and um, we've been able to uh, distribute quite a bit of food and different things to people who are in need uh, there at the ark. So praise the Lord for that. And uh, again, if you have own, uh, items that you would like to donate to us, uh, feel free to um, give me a call, 423-863-1830, whether it be a garage, estate, or yard sale items. Maybe you're cleaning out your closets, your basement. You can bring them by the ark during business hours, Monday through Friday, 10 o'clock a.m. to 5 o'clock p.m. Or um, we do have a box truck that now has a lift on the back of it, praise God. And we'd be glad to come by and pick up your items. Amen. Just continue to pray for this ministry as we move forward. Amen. Uh, as it relates to the work that God has given us to do to reach uh, our community and our county for the cause of Christ. By way of prayer request tonight, let's uh, just a few requests that I have for you. Not many. Remember Gary Gridley. Remember Shirley Cecil. Remember Lula Cutchall, remember Bob Price, <clears throat> Cheryl Filing. Uh, I do want to, you to remember the Harold Chapman family as uh, being a pastor. You know, one thing we deal with is the, um, is the death and the passing away of our church uh, congregation members. And Brother Harold Chapman went home to be at the Lord today. He's been in the hospital for some time, but uh, it was uh, rather sudden. And uh, neither myself nor his wife really expected him to um, pass away suddenly the way he did. I went up there with her today and spent time with her after uh, Brother Harold had passed on. So remember the Harold Chapman family in prayer. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer at this time and then we'll get right into uh, the Bible study portion of today's broadcast. Father in heaven, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for another privilege we have to come to you. Uh, amen. By way of uh, the Trumpet Series broadcast. Bless tonight's episode. God, I pray, Lord, that you just help us, Father, as we glean um, your truths, God. Father, thank you, Lord, for, the, for the, the fresh food, the fresh daily bread you give to us uh, by way of your word. And God, I thank you, God, for, uh, Lord, the power of your word and the ability it has to change our lives. Thank you for helping me today through, our, through my preparation. And Lord, now pray that you would give me the sufficient grace that I need, uh, amen, as I provide these truths uh, that you've uh, given to me today. Lord, I pray that you'd give me the unction that I need. Uh, Lord, anoint me with power from on high. God, I pray that your word would get the jo job done. Pray that uh, your word would be a lamp in our feet and a light in our path. We'd hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Honor your word, exalt your son. By way of your humble servant, Lord, bless every prayer request, every need that's been given out. Especially pray for uh, Miss Nancy Chapman, the Harold Chapman family, as he went home to be with you. Father, have you will in your way tonight, God. And we'll praise you for who you are and what you do. If there might be one tonight that's lost and has never been saved, as they watch or listen, Lord, we're trusting by faith that you bring this broadcast uh, into the eyes or ears of somebody who's lost and Lord, you just might generate faith, Lord, within their hearts and bring them to a place of salvation, Father, um, where their life might uh, be forever changed and transformed by the grace of God. In Jesus' name we ask these things. 
Amen. All right, so um, during uh, yesterday's late night episode of the, the Trumpet Series broadcast, amen, we're, we're late night uh, production, praise God. We finished up with our second and middle section of the book of Romans chapter number 6. And so far in our study of this wonderful chapter of the book of Romans, we've discussed two of the three key and primary words that Paul uses as sort of an outline for the material that he provides to us here in this great chapter. And those three key and primary words are as follows. First of all, the word know. Second, the word reckon. And finally, the word yield. And over the first several editions of our study of Romans chapter number 6, we spent our time discussing the importance of the word know, which is used three times over the course of the first section of this great chapter. First of all, verse 3, where Paul wrote, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Second, verse number 6, the Bible says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And finally, verse number 9, where the apostle again wrote, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no dom more dominion in over him. So these three specific things that Paul wanted his audience to know and to be aware of as it relates related to their affiliation uh, and identification with the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ as well as the newfound ability it gave them to have victory and over sin in their lives. And over the course of our study, we've spent quite a bit of time discussing the importance of acquiring biblical and spiritual knowledge in our lives as Christians. Again, not to to promote ourselves or to, to boast or brag on our own intellect or our, um, our IQ or our ability to, uh, to know and be aware of spiritual things. No, friend, we, we should never allow our knowledge of truth to foster or generate an attitude of pride or arrogance in our lives. Amen. Our knowledge should actually foster an attitude of humility. Why? because our level of accountability increases as it relates to the amount of knowledge that we have received and acquired over the course of our lives spiritually. Uh, but then during yesterday's late night episode of the broadcast, we spent our time examining the second section of the chapter, which primarily deals with the second key and primary word of the text, which is the word reckon. After we're, we're supposed to know some things, then Paul wants to reckon some things. And I said that in the Bible, the word reckon is not some southern slang word like what myself and other Greenvillians uh, tend to use in our daily conversation. I'm not afraid of my southern drawl per se. But instead, this word reckon means to apply and to make application regarding a truth we already know and are aware of. And just as I said last night, Although acquired knowledge in our lives is important, amen, that we may grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's only part of the equation of growth. Uh, it's really useless and nothing more than a waste unless our knowledge is applied and implemented into the way that we conduct our lives. And as we discussed during yesterday's study, it's not what we know 
that matters in our lives as God's people uh, as it is what we are willing to do with what we know, how we apply and implement that knowledge that we've acquired into our lives as born-again Christians. Bottom line, when I stand before uh, the judgment seat of Christ one day, uh, the Bible tells us as it is appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. But on that day, my reward will not be based upon the knowledge I uh, have received or acquired uh, or accumulated over the course of my lifetime uh, regarding the truths of God's Word. Why? Because in many instances I had very little. You listen to me tonight. I had very little, if anything at all, to do with the decisions that were made for me, especially early on in my childhood that allowed me to acquire and to accumulate the biblical knowledge I now have as an adult. And again, I'm not bragging or boasting on that. I'm thankful, amen, for the knowledge that the Lord sovereignly and, and providentially allowed me to receive. By the way, I don't know nearly as much as I think I do uh, and there's a whole lot more people that know more than I do regarding the things of God. Uh, you know, parents, you need to make sure that biblical and spiritual training is as important of a priority in your child's learning and training as any other part. Whether it be, uh, amen, what you teach them at home and uh, what they learn at school. Amen. Christian education is an important part of your child's learning or what they receive as you uh, not to send them to church, but that you take them to church uh, and expose them to the things of God on a regular basis. While they're young, you as a parent are responsible to provide your child with a biblical and a spiritual foundation that will help prepare them to be the mature Christians they need to be when they become adults. You can't do anything about the decisions they make after they leave the confines of your home. But as long as they're in under your roof, their education, their growth, and their development uh, spiritually, uh, the knowledge that they acquire of spiritual things, spiritual truths that they glean from the Word of God, that's your responsibility. As great and as wonderful of a principle Biblical and spiritual foundation, listen to me tonight, church, my parents provided me with over the course of my childhood, and I'm thankful for that. And I always want to honor my parents for the raising that I was so graciously blessed to receive when I was growing up. That knowledge I acquired and accumulated won't make a hill of beans difference uh, for me when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, but if anything, it will just raise the standard of expectation that God has for my life to a higher level uh, when it comes to what I have done during my life with the knowledge that I have been so blessed to acquire and be given by the Lord and because of the faithfulness not of, of myself but of my parents and my Sunday school teachers and my Christian school teachers, amen, and those who loved and cared enough about me to mentor me and to teach me and to train me uh, in the ways of God. At the judgment seat, our reward, listen tonight, will not be based upon what we have or what we've been given, but it will be about what we have done and how we have managed and used that which the Lord has so graciously blessed and provided us with, including our knowledge. Again, it's not about what you know. God's not going to be impressed with your knowledge. Why? Because 
regardless of how much you know, your knowledge is still nothing compared with His, uh, his knowledge, His omniscience, His perfect knowledge. The word reckon here, again, is used in verse number 11, and it has to do with the application and the implementation of knowledge into our lives as Christians. But now we come to this third important section of Romans chapter 6, which I believe again falls in under what I consider to be the third key word of the text, which is the word yield. So in these three words, know, reckon, and yield, we find the general framework and the basis, basic outline under which the remainder of the chapter content falls in under. Now, if you want to know how to rightly divide and properly interpret Romans chapter number 6, just uh, amen. Um, try to uh, understand it all within the confines and, and, the, and the, um, the natural uh, versed breaks uh, that occur within the words and in under the words, no reckon and yield. By the way, someone once said that the word no has to do with the thoughts of our minds. The word reckon speaks concerning the feelings and the emotions of our heart, while the word yield deals more with the actions and determinations of our will as human beings. So let's get right into the text tonight. And we're not going to get very far. We're only going to get uh, about halfway through verse number 13. But I don't want to get in a hurry. Don't want to rush and miss out on the good stuff God has for us here this evening. Verse number 13, we find a capitulation. Neither yield ye. Here the word yield means to cater, to capitulate, and to give concession to a certain person or object. Or we might say that to yield to someone or something means that we give in to them, we submit to them, or maybe that we even relinquish, give up, or turn over a certain right, privilege, or position to them. And we might use the illustration of one political candidate yielding his candidacy over to another who has defeated him. Or how about the commander of an army yielding himself and his sword to the general or commander uh, of an ar army who has defeated him in battle. You see, when we yield ourselves to another person or thing, it suggests that we recognize the fact that the one unto whom we are yielding ourselves to has demonstrated and proven themselves to have power and authority and dominion in over us. Bottom line, it would be a rather strange or unusual thing for someone to yield themselves to that which is considered weaker or less in rank or status than they are. Because again, yielding almost always carries with it a recognition and an insinuation of weakness and inferiority to another person or thing. That's why the object of our yielding is just as important as the act of yielding itself, and we'll say more, that, more about that in a moment. Let me give you one more illustration of someone that we might yield ourselves to. Uh, if you uh, hold a public job, you yield yourself to your boss. Uh, you recognize that they have authority uh, in over you, at least while you're on the clock and while you're on the job, so to speak. And while you're at work, you yield yourself and you submit yourself to the word of your employer uh, because you recognize the, the, the authority and the dominion that your boss has over you at least while you are uh, employed by their company. 
All right, so now we find an identification. Who are we to yield? What are we to yield? Your members. Yield your members, verse 13. So before Paul could ever address the identity of who or what we are to yield ourselves to, he first of all makes it a point to describe just exactly what part uh, of our lives we should yield uh, unto that person or thing. And when it comes to what part of our lives we who are saved should yield, Paul uses the word members to identify that truth. And we're going to spend the remainder of our time here tonight in the, uh, on the Trumpet Series broadcast speaking about this word members uh, and, now in, and the significance of it. Now in the New Testament, the word members can mean a couple of different things. And this is where accurate translation comes into uh, effect. Some people say, well, it doesn't matter what version of the Bible that you use. Well, uh, this, the, the, the usage of this word members uh, illustrates to us why it is important to make sure that you have an accurate translation of the Scriptures because in some portions of the New Testament, some, you know, in other words, you can take one passage of Scripture and it will translate the word members, you know. In other words, what does the word member uh, mean? Well, uh, in one translation it might uh, use the word uh, body part uh, as a translation for the word member, but then another might, translation might use uh, the word family member as a translation for the word member. So again, uh, Bible versions are important, and we must make sure that when we pick and choose a particular version or translation of the Word of God that we, we use one or choose one that uh, has respect for uh, accuracy. Again, they're not, trying to they're not trying to insert their own subjective opinion into the text. In other words, uh, their desire is not to tell you what they believe the Bible means, but to, but to be true and honest and share with you what the Bible says, actually says, and let you generate your own interpretation of the text. I won't charge you for that one. Amen. But the word members can mean a couple of different things. The word members is usually either translated from a Greek word that carries with it the idea of a spouse or a family member, or it can be translated from an entirely different Greek word that, um, you know, is um, amen, translated into our English word body or body part. And in this case, the word Paul uses that is translated into the word members is derived from the Greek word that means body or body part. So when Paul uses the word yield to describe an act of catering, capitulating, or conceding to another person or thing, he's talking about how important it is for we as Christians to be in the business of yielding our members or our bodies unto a certain person or thing. Now stay with me, I'm going somewhere and before it's all said and done, I'm going to give you an application that I think you'll find helpful and beneficial to your life as a Christian. No doubt the Bible has quite a bit to say regarding just how important of a thing it is for we as God's people to be in the business of yielding and submitting our bodies. Romans 12 verse number 1, Paul wrote, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is our reasonable service. God, it's, you know, we ought to consider it to be our reasonable service, or the very least 
expected thing we could do. The most basic principle uh, for a Christian who knows what it is to be saved by the grace of God is that we might almost naturally yield ourselves and submit ourselves and to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. Now in our day, there's an awful lot of talk about the personal possession and ownership of our own bodies. The women's live movement, the feminists of our day, want to claim that it's all right for a woman to have an abortion on the basis and assumption that, she, that her body belongs to herself. And because she owns her body, she should have the right to do with it as she chooses, even at the expense of the life of her un, un, unborn child. I can terminate the life of my unborn child because it's my body, my choice. Well, first of all, it may or may not be your body. It's God's baby. And in His eyes, that innocent life, the innocent life of that little unborn child supersedes and takes precedent over just exactly how you may think you have the right to manage your own body. But secondly, I question whether or not we've ever actually owners or controllers of our own bodies in the first place. Why? Because I, although I don't have to, time to get into it tonight, I do believe the Bible at least seems to indicate um, that um, before we got saved, our bodies were actually in under the power, the authority, the control, and the dominion of Satan himself. Uh, it wasn't your body, it was, it was the body of the devil. The devil was using your body. He had control and authority and over your body to manipulate it as he so chose to do. And if that's the case, then there really never has been a time, whether it be pre or post salvation, that we people actually had control, ownership, or authority in over our bodies. But especially now that we're saved, and since we've been born again, the Bible clearly states that we Christians do not have power, authority, and ownership and over our bodies. Amen. Do you view your body as belonging to yourselves or belonging to the Lord? Well, let me give you some scripture. 1 Corinthians 6.20 What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You're not your own. Uh, you're bought with a, with a price. Paul clearly and candidly states how that as saved, born-again Christians, neither our bodies or our spirits belong to ourselves, but they are actually the property and the purchased possession of Jesus Christ. And uh, because if we're saved, the Lord's got a receipt, a sales receipt, written in the red blood of His darling Son, showing how that He bought our bodies. He purchased them and He took direct and immediate ownership and over our bodies when He died for our sins and especially when He saved our souls from the flames of hell. And as a result, none of us who are saved are our own persons. But everything about us belongs unto the Lord, including our bodies. Friend, how do you view your body this evening? Do you view it as belonging unto yourself or belonging unto the Lord? Do we view the individual members of our bodies? Let's, let's talk not just about our bodies as a whole, but uh, as it relates to the individual members, the particular members of our bodies. Who do they belong to? Ourselves or the Lord? When we consider our mind, do we view our mind as if it belongs unto God? 
Or do we view our mind as belonging an entire self? You know, uh, do we, when we, and, and by the way, can I say to you this evening, you have control over your mind. You have the ability to determine what you allow. You say, well, I can't, you know, I can't uh, do anything about the thought that enters into my mind. Well, maybe not, but you can, you sure can choose whether or not you allow that seed thought that the devil's planted into your mind, whether or not you uh, allow it to fester or whether or not you remove it and kick it out of your mind. I mean, we must view our minds as not belonging unto ourselves, and that means that we do not have the right to determine what we allow ourselves to think about uh, and meditate upon. The meditations of our hearts ought to be pleasing unto God. It not what we, you know, our thought life ought not be based upon what we want to think about and what we want to fantasize over and meditate on, but our thoughts ought to be based upon the fact that we are not in control of our minds, but God is because He bought our minds. How about your hands? How about your feet? How about your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your lips, and your tongue? Uh, amen. What you do, where you go, what you see, what you listen to, what you say, what the, the speech... The words that come out from among your lips. If we view the various members of our bodies as though they belong to the Lord and not to ourselves, it means that we don't just consider our own desires and what we want to do with the various parts and members of our bodies. But instead we consider what would the Lord have me to do with my body and how would He have me to manage it and use it. That is, if I truly view my body as belonging unto the Lord and not belonging unto myself. You see, friend, ownership determines operation. And whether or not I own a certain thing determines whether or not I use it how I want, when I want, and in the way I want to. Um, for instance, if I, own my, if I own my lawnmower or weed eater, I can use it any time I want and in any way I want without asking permission from anybody else because it belongs to me. I bought it. I own it. And I have authority and discretion on how, uh, absolute discretion on how I choose to use, operate, or manage uh, that particular piece of equipment. But if I'm borrowing a lawnmower or a weed eater from somebody else, I have to ask permission in order to borrow it and use it in the way, not that I want to, but in the way that the owner of that, the one who's just letting me borrow it, he gives me permission to do with it what He allows, lets and allows me to do with it. And I've just got to say this, and we're coming right on up on uh, one year anniversary of my father-in-law's death. He died uh, this time last year with COVID, uh, sadly, and I miss him tonight just as much as I did the very uh, day he went home to be with the Lord. Thank God he's in heaven tonight. But my father-in-law... Uh, you know, it, I, I, used to, I used to live right behind him, almost within walking distance of him. And uh, I used to borrow his weed eater. And, uh, you know, I just did it because I knew it just tore him up and aggravated it. You know, I, I mean, I had the money to go out and buy on my own, but for months and months I put it off and procrastinated because I knew that it just tore my father-in-law up. Uh, amen. For me to come down to his house every week or every couple of weeks during the, the warm weather months and, and ask him for permission to borrow his weed eater. Why? Because he, he bought it. It was his. 
It, it belonged to him. It was a, a, a purchased possession. It was, a, it was part of his property. Amen. And he had, and, and because it was him, because it belonged to him, he had authority uh, to determine whether or not to allow me to use it. Amen. And I just wanted to share that illustration tonight. But do we, very, do we view uh, the various members of our own bodies as though they belong to the Lord rather than ourselves? When it comes to the way I use my eyes and what I choose to watch and see, oh my goodness, I feel conviction all of a sudden. Do I consider whether or not the Lord uh, might uh, give me permission, being the owner of my eyes, would be pleased by what I am watching or seeing? Amen. How are we using our eyesight, our eyes, those tools that God give to us? Um, how about the way I use my ears? Would the Lord as owner and authority and over my ears be pleased with what I hear and what I listen to? Maybe it would be a good thing uh, for you before you sit down and watch that particular um, television program or before you, um, uh, you type in that particular website that you're thinking about going to. Maybe you ought to uh, uh, allow or ask the Lord for permission. Uh, Lord, uh, is it okay if I watch this? Is it all right if I expose my eyes to this particular program or this particular image on the internet or the computer? We don't, view, we don't do that. Why? Because I'm afraid many of us view uh, uh, the various members of our body, our eyes or our ears, our mouth, uh, our hands or our feet, or even our minds, as belonging unto us rather than belonging to the Lord. How about the way I use my ears with the Lord as the owner and the authority and over my ears be pleased with what I hear and what I listen to? I need to ask Him permission. And would the Lord have me to it? He owns your ears. How about what I think and how I use my mind? Or how about where I go, travel to? And how about uh, how I use my feet? Or how uh, about what I do and the activities I involve my hands in? Uh, the various and uh, individual particular members of our bodies, they don't belong to us, but they are the Lord's. He, he paid a great price. He bought our bodies with His precious blood that He shed on Calvary. And as a result, we're not our own. We, we're bought with a price. We don't have the right to determine what we do, where we go, what we say, what we listen to, what we partake of. Amen. How about our mouths? Uh, from the pulpit to the pew, before you utter a specific word, before you say something, amen, uh, before you, your fingers type a certain message out on Facebook, do you ask the Lord for permission because your fingers don't belong to, to, yourself, to, to you? Amen. Uh, your mouth, it's not your mouth, it's not your tongue, it's God's tongue. And before you say it, before you utter that word out of your mouth, you ought to ask God. You ought not to be so presumptuous that you think you have the right to say whatever you want to say or to type whatever you want to type or to go wherever you want to go or to drink whatever you want to drink or to eat whatever you want to eat. You need to ask the Lord, Lord, is it okay for me to do this? Uh, amen. You know, we need to ask permission from, from God on how to use the individual members of our bodies and whether or not it's okay for us to engage in certain activities as it relates to the way we use and manage our bodies. Uh, they don't actually belong to us, but they belong to Him. Now, a lot of people, just to hear me uh, say such a thing, would automatically label me as a legalist. Oh, he's, he's preaching a do's and don'ts religion. Well, 
No, I'm not telling you you have to do what I tell you to do or what the denomination or the church uh, would tell you to do. But I am telling you that uh, you're not, if you're saved, you don't just have the liberty and the free reign to, to live your life any, any way you want to live you to live it. You don't have the right to manage your body any way you want to manage it, to do with it, to indulge in whatever kind of sinful practice or activity or indulgence that you that makes your flesh feel good. No, my friend, uh, you don't have the right to do what you want to do because you're not your own. You're bought with a price and your body belongs to the Lord and He is the one that has the right to give you permission of what to do with it. Now there's a utilization as instruments, verse 13. Here we find one of the ways by which the Lord has purposed for our bodies to function and operate. Now remember, because our bodies have been purchased by God and because our bodies are property that belongs to Him and not ourselves as the purchaser and the property owner of our bodies, the Lord has the right and the authority to decide and determine just exactly how our bodies are to be used and what should be done with them. And because the Lord owns your body, not you, that is, if you're saved, you do not get to decide what to do with your body, but He does. And in this one word instrument, we find one of the revealed purposes for which the Lord has bought and purchased our bodies, and that is so that He might use our bodies as a tool and an instrument for His service. Now as we move on through this particular verse of Scripture, we're going to find that even after we get saved, our bodies can be used to serve a couple of different ways and to fulfill a couple of different purposes. One is right, the other is wrong. One is appropriate, while the one is inappropriate. Uh, and all that's found within the confines of Romans chapter 6, verse 13. But either way, your, uh, God designed, excuse me, God designed your body to be a tool to be used to carry out and to fulfill a specific intended design purpose. As a side note, in the passage we just referenced over in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, the Apostle Paul showed how that not only are our bodies to be used as tools, but they are also temples of the Holy Ghost. In other words, not only are our bodies instruments to be used by God, but they are also dwelling places that are inhabited by God as well, obviously, if we are saved, that is. Amen. If you're not saved, your body is still a temple. Just like even if you're lost, your body's a tool. It's a tool. Your body's being used by Satan. But if you're lost, if, you're not, if you've never been born again, your body is the temple not of Jesus but of the devil, of Satan. Satan dwells and inhabits, with, habits, uh, dwells within. He inhabits the confines of your body. But friend, if you're a child of God here this evening, the truth is God designed your body to be a tool and an instrument to be used by Him to perform a specific function and to fulfill a specific purpose as it was designed by God. Ephesians 2 verse 10, Paul wrote this, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And here the apostle uses the word workmanship to describe the same basic premise or idea he had in mind when he uses the word tool or instrument. So if you're looking for a way to simply to describe the intended purpose the master builder had in mind for the bodies uh, which he designed and created, 
We could say that God created our bodies to be a temple, but that He also designed our bodies to be a tool as well. Just like a designer of a lawnmower created it to cut grass, or the manufacturer of a weed eater produced it to trim the edges of a property, or a chainsaw that is put together uh, by the mechanic to cut wood. Very simply, our bodies were created to fulfill very distinct purposes as they were drawn up by the original blueprints by the master designer. By the way, I'm thankful that I have the blueprints in the instruction manual uh, by way of uh, the inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God. Now there's a corruption, verse 13. I told you we're not going to get very far tonight, but this is good stuff, I'm telling you. Of unrighteousness unto sin. So the question is, what kind of tool are we going to be and what kind of purposes are we going to fulfill in and through the bodies God has so graciously given to us and provided us with? Are we going to operate and conduct our bodies according to the master plans, the blueprints and the designs of our Creator? Or are we going to be presumptuous? Uh, and are we going to try and attempt to use our bodies in some way other than and besides the way in which God created them and crafted them to function. Remember, your body does not belong to yourself, but unto the Lord. And because of that, you do not have the right to operate and conduct your body in whatever way you so choose or want to do so. God is the owner of your body. He is the designer. He is the creator. He uh, expects you to use it, manage it, conduct it, and operate it according to His master plan, according to the blueprint. He laid out for it to function. And again, the instruction manual of God's Word, the blueprint of my Bible that God has given to me shows me and reveals to me just exactly how I am supposed to manage, operate, and conduct my body. And friend, if you know anything about operating equipment or machinery, when you don't follow the blueprint, when you don't operate the equipment according to the design of the instructions, if you're not careful, you're liable to damage the equipment or the machine. So let me just ask you here tonight, how many people have damaged the equipment of their own bodies because they tried to use, manage, and operate the equipment of their own bodies contrary and against the design of the blueprint and the instruction? And as a result, their bodies are unusable because they are like broken tools in the hands of the designer. One thing about it, friend... I can't think of too many things that are more, any more useless than a broken tool or a broken piece of equipment or machinery. And most of us men, we're all guilty. We've got all kinds of broken equipment laying around our garage or piled up in our basement that needs to be carried off to the junkyard because it's broken and it's unusable. I'm afraid God sees many of our bodies that way. Uh, just like a broken tool or a piece of equipment or machinery that's been broken and is no longer able to be used as it was designed or created. And in so many cases, it's because we have tried to use the machines, the tools, and the equipments of our own bodies in ways other than uh, that which they were created to be used. Let me ask you a question tonight. And again, I'm just trying to you know, use applications and illustrations to get these truths across to us. And I may not be helping anybody else tonight, but I'm helping myself, praise God. Have you ever had a tool or a piece of equipment or machinery that you owned 
and maybe even an expensive one that cost you a lot of money and that you paid a great price for. And out of the kindness of your own heart, you let somebody borrow it when they came and asked you permission to do so. And uh, Amen. While they were using it, they didn't maintain it. They didn't take care of it like they should. Maybe they didn't use the tool or the equipment of the machine in the right way. And as a result, they brought it back to you and returned it to you in a broken condition. Maybe that's why my father-in-law didn't like for me to borrow his weed eater because he was afraid I wouldn't use it in the right way, that I would misuse it or misoperate it. And he didn't want me to return it or bring it back to him in a condition of brokenness. You know, but I can't think of too many things that are any worse than to have a good enough heart to let somebody borrow a valuable tool or an expensive piece of equipment. And friend, that's what that's that's all your bodies are. Everything you have in your life, it's nothing more than a gift that God has granted you, something that He has uh, uh, given to you temporarily to borrow and to manage. It doesn't belong to you; it belongs to Him. So He expects you to use it and to operate it and to conduct yourself and your and manage your life uh, according to the designs of the blueprint and the instructions in the manual. Not according to the way that you want to use it, but according to the way that He commands you to use your body. Uh, you know, we ought to try and take care of the possessions that others are so gracious enough to loan to us than we do our own stuff, praise God. But a lot of times I've found that people tend to misuse and mismanage the belongings of others, and all too often when they return them, they bring them back in a broken down condition. And one thing about a broken down tool or a broken down piece of equipment or machinery, it's of no use, it's of no value, and it's pretty much worthless unless it can be fixed or repaired. Now, praise God, I'm thankful that the Lord's in the, in the business of repairing uh, equipment, tools, and machinery uh, that have been broken. Amen. I know what it is for my life to be broken because... I stubbornly resisted and rebelled against the designs of the Creator, the Master Creator. And I chose to operate my life and my body, conduct my body in a way that was displeasing and contrary to God's intended purpose and against His uh, prescribed will for my life. And uh, because of, uh, I chose to, uh, amen, presumptuously mismanage and misuse my own body. I had to come back. I had to bring my body back to the Lord in a broken down condition. And, and but thank God, Hallelujah, praise His name. He is in the business uh, of repairing and restoring and rebuilding that which has been misused, uh, abused, and broken down. Amen. And you're never too broken to be to belong. Hallelujah. God can take that which is broken down. He can take that old tool, that old instrument, that old machine, that old piece of equipment that nobody else has any use for. He can rebuild it. Amen. He can repair it and uh, make it just as if it had never been broken. Hallelujah. Glory to His name. But when it comes to many of our bodies, the Lord sees a whole lot of us as broken tools and broken down pieces of equipment that are of no use or value other than to be thrown into the junk pile. while because they've been misused, mismanaged, and operated in ways that are contrary to the design and the designs of the blueprint and the instructions. You better follow the blueprint. You better follow the Bible blueprint. 
God's Word tells us just exactly how we are to manage our lives, including our bodies, and we better operate our lives according to the, the, to the fashion, uh, amen, of the master architect, amen, or we will damage uh, and we will allow our lives to become broken down and in need of repair. Now there's a contamination uh, of unrighteousness unto sin. Same phrase. Now for a moment I'd like for us to look at this same phrase in a different but similar fashion. That is, let's view our bodies not just in the light of a tool, but also as a temple, a house, or a dwelling place of God. We might even use the word vessel to convey the meaning Paul's trying to get across here in this phrase because just as the Lord uh, as the owner and operator of our bodies will not use a tool that is broken down because it has been misused and mismanaged neither do I believe He will use a temple a house or a vessel to dwell in either that has become contaminated, filthy or dirty. Now again we can refer to our bodies as either being the tool or the temple of God. And as tools, we must make sure that we, our lives function and, and our bodies function and operating, operate according to the plans of the master designer. But as temples and vessels, we've got to make sure that our bodies stay clean so that they might be a suitable dwelling place and an appropriate place of residence and habitation for the Lord's presence. Let me ask you, is the body of your life is it a suitable dwelling place? And is, is it an appropriate place of habitation and residence just in case the Lord wants to come to your house like He did uh, to Zacchaeus' house for a visit? One thing's for sure, another illustration tonight, and I'm finishing up, but when I go on vacation, when I rent a hotel room or uh, to stay in for a few days, when I insert that key... And open the door, I expect my room, my hotel room, to be pretty much clean and spotless. Why? Because a clean room is the least I can expect, especially if I've high, paid a high price for the room I've reserved. And bottom line, if I open that hotel room and walk into that room and it's dirty and I find one that looks like it's been recently occupied by somebody else without being clean, the trash hadn't been taken out, the bed hadn't been made, and just all kinds of nastiness all over the floor. I'm going to walk right back out of that room. I'm going to shut that door, and I'm going to ask for my money back and find me another place to stay. So here's my question tonight. What can you imagine the Lord thinks when He opens the door and walks into the room of our own hearts and lives and he finds a room or a dwelling place that's not fit or worthy of his presence. Again, is the dwelling place of your life, is the temple of your body uh, a place that is worthy uh, for the presence of God to inhabit or to dwell in? Uh, amen. You know, uh, especially after he's paid such a high price for it, not just to rent the room, but to buy it as his own personal possession in his own property. I wonder if he might just turn around, walk back out, shut the door and find somewhere else to stay. Amen. One thing's for sure, friend, just as the Lord's not going to use a broken piece of equipment um, or tool, he's not going to inhabit or dwell within the confines of a dirty room. 
that is not regularly kept, cleaned, and prepared for His presence. And friends, each and every day that you and I live, we ought to clean house. We ought to maintain our room. And we better prepare our hearts as if we expect the Lord to come by and want us to visit and stay a little while. And God forbid that when the Lord comes by our own heart's way, He finds His his room. Again, it's not your room. Uh, It's not your body. It's His body. It's His room. Uh, Amen. Uh, And He finds the room of your heart and life unclean, unkept, and run down, not worthy of His presence. Have you ever made reservations at at a hotel? And boy, you look on the internet and it looks like the prettiest thing you've ever seen. All kinds of amenities and all kinds of commodities and you know, all these things, and boy, you're just so excited about going, and uh, you dream about it, you think about it, but then you get there, and instead of finding that it looks like uh, the pictures you, you viewed on the internet, the website, it's run down, it's not kept up, uh, and that's disappointing to us, and I'm afraid that when the Lord comes by our hearts, way, He finds His room unclean, unkept, and run down, amen, our bodies are not just tools, but they are temples of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21, Paul wrote, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the Master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Bottom line, and we could say... More about that, and we will in tomorrow's uh, edition and episode of the Trumpet Series broadcast. But, friend, if you want the Lord to use your body as a tool, you better make sure it's not broken down because it's been misused or mismanaged. And if you want the Lord to use your body as a temple, you better make sure it stays clean, kept up, and prepared for the Lord's expected visit, not to your house, not to your room, and not to your body, but unto His one thing's for sure, just as God won't use a vessel that's dirty, so also He's not going to use a tool that's broken down, neither will he, will he use a temple or a room that's run down either. Heavenly Father, I love you tonight, and I thank you for, a, uh, Lord, another edition, another episode. Lord, we're not as late tonight as we were last night, and I thank you for that. But Lord, I thank you for the open door of opportunity. Thank you for the, the um, time that you give us to study and prepare, and Lord, what a what a blessing it was just to spend time fellowshipping with you and studying your word, God, and gleaning from your truths. But God, I pray that we would view our bodies as not belonging unto ourselves, but the purchased possession and the property of our Savior, who paid a high price, Lord, that He might own our bodies and do with them, not as we so choose, but as He chooses. Father, He has... Uh, the ultimate right to do with our lives and our bodies as He so chooses, God. So, Lord, when we think about what we do with our eyes, what we do with our ears, what we, we do with our mouths, what we do with our ears, what we do with our hands and our feet and our fingers, uh, how we manage the various and individual members of our bodies, Lord, I pray that before we do a certain thing or watch a certain thing, listen to a, something, uh, go a certain place, type a certain message, watch a certain um, uh, show, or look at a certain image. God, I pray we'd ask you permission. Lord, you're the owner. We're the manager. We're the steward. 
God, would you have me to, to watch this? Would you have me to listen to this? Would you have me to speak such a thing or to say such, uh, say such and such? Would you have me to go a certain place or do a certain thing or type a, a certain message? God, help me to view my body and the various members of my body as not belonging in my, unto myself, but belonging unto the one that paid such a high and great price to have absolute authority, absolute dominion, absolute rights, and total ownership, not only, not just to my body itself, but the way I manage, use, and operate and conduct, conduct uh, myself and the life that you, the precious life that you've given to me, Lord. One of these days, I'm going to be held accountable, Father, for how I've used my body, what I've done with the various members of my body. And God, I'm going to praise you tonight. Lord, I pray, Lord, that, that every member of my body would be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Lord, I love you and I praise you and I thank you and I ask all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Ha have a good night and may God bless you is my prayer.